A thing that looks like a police box standing in a junkyard. It can move anywhere. Maybe. Concentrate on sin. Give priority to the detectors and the navigation systems. There is a corridor. And the corridor is time. It surrounds all things. On display, I eventually had to go down to the cellar. That's the display department. With a torch. The lights are probably gone. So had the stairs. You are just number six. I am not a number. I am a person. Welcome to British Invaders, episode 425. This is the podcast all about British science fiction television, and this time we are talking about the Midwich Cuckoos. This is Brian from Canada. And this is Eamon from England. Hello. Yes, we have a 2022 Sky TV production of the classic John Wyndham science fiction novel, of the same name. We have to talk about seven episodes of about one hour each, and there's some interesting stuff in this modern retelling. Yes, absolutely. It is quite an update and quite a modern take on what was a 1957 novel originally by John Wyndham. And we should mention and give you the caution here that this show does feature violence by children and against children as well. So that's something to be aware of when discussing and looking at this one. So the setup is a small country town of Midwich, which is going about its business on what seems like a normal, perfectly ordinary day. I believe it's May 6th. Yes, May 6th is the day of the event, but all seems to be as normal. So we've got a young couple moving into their new home in Midwich. We've got people going off about their daily business. Some of them are going to London for meetings. Some of them are going to work at the stables. We have a group of teenagers or young adults who seem to be having a silent disco with headphones on. I'm not quite sure what time of the day that is, but they seem to be outside enjoying themselves. And it's all sort of just like happening. It's a normal town going about its normal business. And then, of course, everything changes where everyone in town, humans and animals, suddenly fall into a deep sleep or even a coma all at the same time. And the authorities quickly realize that something strange is happening. And there appears to be an invisible dome around the town. There's this zone where if you enter it at this particular time, you fall unconscious. Indeed. And of course, not surprisingly, the authorities are wondering about a gas attack. We see lots of rescue workers or scientists or authorities wearing sort of biohazard suits and gas masks. We see experiments where they send somebody walking into the zone with a rope tied around them so they can pull them back when they fall unconscious. We see people trying to get into the area to reach loved ones. And it's all been investigated overnight. It's all sort of very mysterious. And then, of course, even more mysterious in a way. The next day, and again, or just about the same time, everybody in the town just as suddenly wakes up. That's right. So you have one night or a day and a night or something like that where everyone in the town is unconscious and then no one's quite sure what happened afterwards and we will get into a little bit more about what happens afterwards in a moment but we'll start with our characters i'm going to start with dr Susanna zellaby played by keely hawes from ashes to ashes and from the series mi5 a family therapist who is caring for her own recovering adult daughter 
she is one of the people who's lucky enough to be away from Midwit. She's away on business in London, or at least at a meeting in London when the incident happens, tries to get back into the town to her daughter. She is one of the people who sort of come to the edge of the zone and instantly collapse and then get pulled out by rescue workers. And with her sort of background as a family therapist and psychologist, she will become very closely involved with the families who have been affected by what we're going to discover as the series progresses. She's going to play a big part in it all, Brian. Yes. And having Keely Hawes in a major role is a big plus for any series. She's always very interesting and engaging to watch. And I'll just note quickly that they have, of course, gender-swapped the character from the book. In the book, Dr. Zellaby is a male character. Cassie, played by Shanove Carlson, is Dr. Zellaby's daughter in recovery from some addiction issues and has definitely some mental health issues and a rather difficult relationship with her mother. And things are are not helped in some respect by what happens with this event, with Cassie being on the inside and directly affected by it, and her mother, Dr. Zellaby, being outside. Then we have the young couple who've just moved into Midwich on an unfortunate day to Dave Chosen. Zoe Moran, played by Aislinn Loftus, and Sam Clyde, played by Ukweli Roach. The young couple, they've just come from London to Midwich in the hopes of a calmer country lifestyle. And particularly, they are hoping that the move to the country will allow them to get pregnant, something that they've clearly been struggling to do while in London. Yeah, so that sort of gives us our first hint that people are seeing Midwich as this sort of idyllic country village where people go to be away from the big city and so on. DCI Paul Haynes, played by Max Beasley, who we saw in The Last Enemy and also in the remake of Survivors. He is the local police inspector who is assigned to deal with the event and its aftermath. And he also has an on and off relationship with one of the victims, one of the people who was on the inside. And there was a connection with someone else who had been there at that time as well. And like Dr. Zellaby, he's one of the sort of authority figures who are going to be closely involved with the victims of this event, as are two other sort of senior government figures who get involved. Bryony Cummins, played by Sherelle Skeet, a Home Office official who is sort of directly involved in controlling what information gets in and gets out about this event, which obviously the British government has taken a close interest in. And then her boss is Bernard Westcott, played by Samuel West, who we've seen in a John Wyndham adaptation before, in the 2006 adaptation of Random Quest, the short story. Westcott is quite a senior government official who is monitoring and controlling the aftermath of Midwich, 
and he is quite clearly involved in some things that are secret and some things that we don't fully understand. So that's our cast of characters. We should start to get into what has happened to the people of Midwich. Yes, absolutely. So the event ends with everyone waking up again. No one knows what's happened, why they were all, you know, asleep or unconscious at the same time, and suddenly they're not. And then very soon after the event, every woman of childbearing age who was in the town during the event discovers that they are pregnant. And this rather strangely will include or does include women who've never had sex, women who haven't been in sexual relationship for years, those who had been struggling to conceive, like our young couple who've just moved in. Everyone, every woman right the way through from the teenagers through to sort of peri or pre, just about premenopausal women are suddenly pregnant. Yes, and this is sort of the crux of the show is that's what happens in this event and what happens then and what happens over time. Dr. Zellaby, who was only very briefly in the, in the zone at that time, does not become pregnant, but her daughter Cassie does. And the government arranges to monitor the pregnancies and to put the women in touch with each other. There is a support group that forms, and they start to build this community of Midwich and of these Midwich new mothers starts to become this very insular, tight-knit, inward-looking community. And some of the women are delighted to be pregnant, uh, but others clearly are not. And they, f they try to arrange terminations, which are sort of set up to be arranged through the mysterious Ward 300 that the government has provided for them. But the women who go for the terminations find themselves unable to go through with them. There is something stopping them. And what follows for all the women of Midwich is this accelerated pregnancy with all the women about six months after the event going into labour on exactly the same day, more or less exactly the same time. All these pregnant women are going to deliver their babies on the same day. And I think we can say, Brian, that the titular sort of Midwich cuckoos have arrived and the British government obviously is extremely keen to study them, but also to keep... They seem to be doing a pretty good job of keeping their existence and some of the mystery about the pregnancies and the children um, a secret to, the, to much of the outside world. Yes, we get all of these resources to deal with these children and the families and support them being set up in Midwich. And part of it seems to be that people almost never leave the community and it becomes very insular indeed indeed and yes they get the they get the pregnant women to sign the official secrets act yes that's right of course so we should get into our production notes. John Wyndham, who lived from 1903 to 1969, was a British science fiction writer, very accomplished. Brian Aldous described him having the cozy catastrophes or the cozy apocalypse, which was not meant as a very complimentary thing. But nonetheless, Wyndham wrote some excellent science fiction material and things that stand as classics. 
And some of those we've covered adaptations before. Day of the Triffids, the novel was in 1951, and we covered the 1981 BBC adaptation back in British Invaders 16 and 17 in 2008. And then Chalky, which was one of his much later ones in 1968, we covered uh, an adaptation of that in British Invaders 113 and 114 back in 2011. And then there was a 1961 short story called Random Quest, which was adapted into a 2006 production that we covered in British Invaders 127 and 128 in 2012. So we have covered some of these things. There have been lots of adaptations of Wyndham's work, which just shows how important an author he was. Indeed, a remarkable career and a remarkable number of books and stories that he wrote. The Midwich Cuckoos, which we're considering, was published originally in 1957. And I read a snippet of an interview that he later gave where he said he'd been inspired by his own readings about nature and his sort of musings on Darwinism. But he's also, he'd noted some observations of what was happening in Soviet-era Russia and the plight of women in 1950s Britain when pregnancy and motherhood were pretty much the expected norm. So those were some of the things that were sort of buzzing around him when he wrote The Midwich Cuckoos. Extremely well-reviewed novel, has remained extremely popular over the decades since 1957. I'm going to say most notably, the other extremely well-known Canadian, apart from yourself, Brian, (laughs) Margaret Atwood. (laughs) Margaret Atwood of The Handmaid's Tale fame, she wrote in 2015 that she had read the novel pretty much as it came out in 1957, just as she was going off to university, and it had a big impact on her. And in 2015, she said that she still thought it was his best piece of work from John Wyndham. And this is perhaps relevant to some of the stuff that I know we're going to get into a little bit in our next episode. Yes, I think so. As with a lot of science fiction from that era, there is a lot of allegory and there's some interesting things there. The book was actually quite quickly adapted for film, not under the same name. It was adapted as Village of the Damned, directed by Wolf Rilla for MGM, with George Sanders as Dr. Zellaby, and a well-known horror actor Barbara Shelley as Mrs. Zellaby. And that film was a hit. There was a sequel called Children of the Damned that was released a little bit later in 1964. And John Wyndham actually wrote a few chapters of a sequel called Midwich, Maine, but he abandoned that and it remained unfinished. In terms of film adaptations for the screen, you mentioned the 1960 Village of the Damned. They tried to remake that in 1981, but that failed because of the writer's strike at the time. But John Carpenter, the horror legend, another horror legend, made an American version of Village of the Damned in 1995, starring Kirstie Alley and Christopher Reeve, uh, sadly in his last screen role before his tragic accident. Unusually for a John Carpenter film, I haven't actually seen this one, Brian. I've not heard uh, great things about it, but there it is, 1995, The Village of the Damned remake. Interesting to have that with Christopher Reeve, not someone I would have expected for something like this. Yeah, indeed. And not surprisingly here in the UK on the BBC, they've done it on the radio several times. At least three radio productions uh, are listed on the Wikipedia page of The Midwich Cuckoos over the years. 
But we're going to turn to the 2022 version and we're going to talk about writer and director, particularly uh, previously known as a theatre director, David Farr. I know him best for his blockbuster adaptation of John le Carre's Night Manager with Tom Hiddleston back in 2016, which was a huge hit for him and the BBC. Yes, tremendously popular adaptation. And he had also been an associate director of the Royal Shakespeare Company in Stratford-upon-Avon. But we had actually discussed his work as a writer on Philip K. Dick's Electric Dreams in 2017, and he did direct on that as well. So he had been involved in science fiction television a few years earlier. Oh, interesting. So David Farr first read The Midwich Cuckoos when he was 12 and living in a small town in Surrey where he was growing up. And he said the terror of that book's community invasion was something that always stuck with him and became even more horrifying as he became a parent himself. So after his great success with The Night Manager, he pitched the idea of doing the Midwich Cuckoos to Sky TV. And I suppose it's not too much of a surprise with the hit of his earlier show, that they said yes. And it was certainly put into production in early 2021. It was one of those productions that was very early, I guess, in terms of dealing with COVID as part of the ongoing process of making it. Now, he adapted the novel for the screen himself, but there's some additional writing on some of the episodes by Sasha Halls, Namzi Khan and Laura Loomis. The episodes were directed by three directors. We've got Jennifer Perot, who we know for doing two Doctor Who episodes, The Saranga Conundrum and Kablam. Then there's Alice Troughton, who directed The Doctor's Daughter and Midnight from the David Tennant era. And then Borka Sigborson directed the other two episodes. The series was filmed in and around the Buckinghamshire town of Amersham. You always, for these sorts of things, need to find an appropriate town that uh, matches, and they, they did that. The music for the series was composed by Hannah Peel, who used some sounds of real cuckoos, real bird sounds, and the lyrics of the nursery rhyme, Cuckoo Cuckoo, for quite a haunting, spooky type of theme music, which may have been inspired by the Benjamin Britten choral adaptation of the the same rhyme which does have sort of some similarities and is something that is often sung by children you know being a nursery rhyme based thing and sadly i don't know who does the vocal on the title track cuckoo by hannah peel i'm wondering if it might be hannah peel herself but or it might be just an English folk singer, but I don't know who, which one. If anybody knows, please enlighten me. Yes, I'm not sure who that was on there. The Midwich Cuckoos was broadcast on Sky One with all seven episodes going out on June 2nd, 2022. Yes, I suppose a sort of modern trend of dropping all the episodes of a show at one time. Wikipedia tells me that 1.5 million people watched the first episode. It doesn't give us statistics for the following episodes. It does note some rather variable reviews from the critics. We're going to talk about some of the reasons or possible reasons for that in our next episode. But I will mention that, again, noted horror legend, horror critic, uh, film fan Mark Kermode 
reviewed it, and he was a huge fan of this Sky version of the Midwich Cuckoos. Oh, interesting. So let's talk about availability and give you some ways of watching this show for yourself. In Region 2, if you've got Sky or, like me, you've got a Now TV subscription, then you can still watch it. It's All the episodes are still up there online on their platforms and you can watch them quite easily it's also on a sky dvd and blu-ray set they're both hovering around about 20 pounds each as far as i can tell no extras on the discs unfortunately and i couldn't find any extra features on the now tv platform as i say i've been watching a streaming version on now tv i can confirm there are no extras on the blu-ray ah right but fairly easy to get hold of here in Region 2. Across the pond in Region 1, Brian? In Region 1, there is no release. I did see some imports available on Amazon. The DVD I saw on Amazon.com for $38 US. The Blu-ray I only saw on Amazon.ca for $42 Canadian. So possibly you'll just want to import from the UK for this, but you are looking at an import and a Region 2 DVD or a Region B Blu-ray. Okay. I will mention that the book, The Midwich Cuckoos by John Wyndham, is, of course, widely and easily available and and a sort of rarity for this show, Brian. I have read it in the last week or reread it in the last week, and I will say that it's pretty faithful adaptation. There are two big changes, which I almost can't talk about and certainly can't talk about until next episode from the book to the series. But uh, yeah, very widely available to get hold of the book. And John Wyndham is one of those authors where his books always stay in print. They're always available. Yeah. So next time we will talk about the Midwich children and their appearance, their special abilities. And we will, of course, get into some more spoilers about the series, as we often do, but in this case particularly, I think. So there is your spoiler warning for our next episode. I will also give a slight politics warning because we have to talk about this modern version this updating and how it sits perhaps with sort of modern gender politics and how it also compares with other John Wyndham adaptations that we've looked at. So if the politics stuff is not your bag either, you've been warned in advance. Yes, and we'll talk about the allegory that Wyndham had there originally as well. Plus, of course, we'll give you our reviews and recommendations. So there should be lots of good stuff to talk about next time. Until then, you can find all of our episodes, more than 400 of them, on BritishInvaders.com. And if you search for British Invaders on Facebook, you can find us there. You can also find us on Twitter. We are at BritInvadersPod. And please come by and join us for conversations on some of the socials. Yes, give us a follow. Let us know what you think of the show and particularly these series that we've been covering. And come and find us at the Voice of Geeks Network. Go to vognetwork.com for the Voice of Geeks. You'll find British Invaders, you'll find other podcasts, you'll find gaming content, live streaming, and lots of other stuff going on at vognetwork.com for the Voice of Geeks. Yes, indeed. So thank you for listening, and this is Brian from Canada signing off. Yes, thank you very much. Until next time, Eamon and England also signing off. <laughs>